We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome back to the Faith 168 Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and it's great to be here recording another episode with my brother, Rob. How are you doing, brother Rob? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Glad to be be with you this evening. Awesome. Awesome. And unfortunately, uh, brother Brandon could not be here. And so he is taking a leave of absence for this episode. So you get to hear the beautiful and delicate tones of just me and brother Rob tonight. But as you listen to these delicate tones of ours, what we're going to be looking at tonight is going back to the book of Revelation uh, chapter 2 as we continue to look at the letters to the seven churches. And this has been kind of drawn out. It's it's gone a lot better than I, I could have ever hoped for because it's been a lot of great discussions. And there's been even a lot of people that have even stopped and asked me a couple of questions about what we discussed that, that helped me go into the next episode concerning the letters to the seven churches, things that we can bring up. So I encourage you, if you're listening to the Faith 168 podcast, if you have any questions about what we're talking about, go ahead and send us a message on the Faith 168 podcast Facebook page, because we'd like to know what you're thinking. We'd like to know what type of conversation you'd like for us to have as we continue through these seven letters. But as we've been talking about the loveless church, that is the church of Ephesus. And we see that Jesus first went into a list of great things about the church of Ephesus. He saw their works. He saw their perseverance, their endurance that they had, and they were commended for that. But he said, this I, I have against you, that you have left or lost your first love. And that is where we left off last time. And we, we really talked about how we can do a lot of great things, things that seem good, things that seem to be helpful, but without doing it for the love of our life, which is supposed to be Jesus, uh, then it really means nothing. And, and that reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where you can do all these great things, but without love, it means nothing. It profits you yes. nothing. And, and so it's very important as we look at these letters to maintain our love for Christ. And like any relationship, that does take some effort. It's not saying that the only way that you're able to have a relationship with Christ is through works, but every relationship takes some type of effort, some type of focus, I would say might even be a better word for that. And so we continue on looking in chapter two of Revelation, verse six and seven tonight. And the way we break this up as we read it is we look at the letter as if it's addressed to an individual. How could this apply to an individual? And then we look at the letter as being addressed to the local body, the local church that we serve in. And then we go on to look at it on a global scale. What, what would this mean if this were addressed to the church as a whole all over the world? And so we're going to continue in that as we read tonight. But if you will follow along with me, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 6 and 7. And Jesus writes this, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so, Brother Rob, I'm going to let you start with that. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start with uh, verse 7 and work my way back. I know that's a, a little backwards, but I want us to understand uh, what Jesus is is saying to to John as um, as he is writing uh, the words of Jesus here, he's explaining that um, 
that to anyone who hears and listens to the Spirit uh, is going to be returned to the state in which we were originally made for. So obviously this is a uh, reference to the end of the book of Revelation in Revelation 22 when we see the uh, the tree of life that the um, the 12 tribes are going to eat from and they are sustained and they're given life because of they eat from this tree. But it also goes back to the book of Genesis. And right. of, of course, when Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, there's uh, two trees in the center of the garden. And, and one of those two trees is a tree that they were able to eat from. And it was the tree of life. And this tree of life um, was a, a way for them to, um, to eat and, we don't get the complexities of it. We don't understand the the science of it. Uh, but whatever this tree was, and, and I think we get a glimpse of it in Revelation chapter 22, but um, what we see is that, that this tree is going to be good for, um, for living forever. In fact, when Adam and Eve sinned, they... Um, it it's said that they are to be kicked out and uh, the angels have to guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden so that they can't eat from the tree and live forever. Um, and that's grace right there because uh, God knows that, that if we live forever in our sin, that we will be miserable. It's actually grace that we're allowed to die um, because sin is, is continual death and um, spiritually. And, and so... Um, but going on from there, let's look at Revelation 22 for, for just a second. Okay. Verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 1 said, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Uh, they will see him face to face, and his name will be on their foreheads. They will, there will be no more night. Uh, they will not need a light of a lamp for, or uh, the light of the sun, for God, the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And so what we see here is, is the blessed reversal of the curse in the garden. Well, there is no more curse. And now we are blessed in that we are no longer under a curse in Christ Jesus. However, the, the, the curse is around us. It's not in us, but it is all around us. And so what we uh, what we see here in Revelation 22, the curse is completely gone. This means that we get the blessing of living in per perfect harmony and peace with God forever and ever. Uh, notice the, the, the river that kind of splits the tree in half it is going from the throne. And, and isn't, it, isn't it amazing how all of Scripture combines together when you harmonize it? You just right. find the, the beauty of the truth of God. And um, I, I think back to the woman at the well. And Jesus asked the woman for a drink. And and she said, you know, do you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why are you asking me for a drink? And he said, if you knew who I am, um, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you a drink from the living water. Mm -hmm. um, and you would never thirst again. Um, the, the beauty of this river is that it, it's Jesus. The, Jesus is the substance. He is the, the, the water that soothes um, and satisfies the thirst of our souls. And then we get down to this tree. And the, the tree um, produces a fruit um, every month. So it's, it's an everlasting, ever fruitful tree. And the leaves of it are for the healing of, of the nations. And so what we see here um, is that one day um, that if we listen and we hear what the Spirit says, um, we will conquer and we will one day be able to eat from this tree. And so I, I can't wait to be able to participate in that. Um, I, I know that John 
was excited about it, and, and this would be a great, um, a great piece and a blessing and something to look forward to for uh, the Ephesians. And so that leads us back into verse six. Um, so this uh, you do have. So he's saying, you know, I, I start. It's like a compliment sandwich. Have you ever heard of the compliment sandwich, brother Chris? I don't think I have. All right. So I've, I've always been told when uh, uh, when you've got to to talk about somebody or when you got to tell somebody about something they've done wrong, you put it in a sandwich. So you say something really good about them, and then you give them what they need to work on, mm-hmm. and then you end with something else that's good. And, and that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He he's set them up to where he's saying, I, I'm proud of you for all your works, your labor, your endurance, that you can't tolerate evil people. However, you, I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. Um, and then he goes back into another compliment. So Jesus has right. given the church at Ephesus a compliment sandwich, and he's going in and saying, uh, you hate the practice of, uh, of, I'm not sure how you said it. I've always said the Nicolaitans, but uh, yeah, that's probably. Your old country boy, Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. <laughs> Nicolaitans. There we go. Yeah. And, uh, but, but anyways, so we get a, a little bit of a clue of, of who these are, who these people are, as we continue to look and the letter to the church in Smyrna, is, uh, as well as a, a few other places. Um, I mean, the church to Pergamum, I'm sorry, and, and a few other places in, in Scripture. But we don't know exactly what it is that that they did, but we do know this: that they um, practiced, you know, eating stuff that was sacrifice to idols and sexual immorality. And, and oftentimes in scripture, sexual immorality is, is pointing to um, idolatry. So right. sexual immorality is, is a picture of how we have treated God, that, that we have left him um, as our true husband uh, to go after uh, the lust of the, the, the flesh and the pride of life. And, yeah. and so, what we have to, to see here is that um, the, the the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, they are um, they're not tolerating these ideas, these practices. They hate them, and and the strong language of this is that Jesus does too, and, right. and we have to understand that there there are some things that um, that Jesus hates, and and that's not a popular thing to say in this world, but uh, today, but. We have to know that, that there are some things that, that he approves of and some things that he hates. One more thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you so you can uh, kind of break it down for us in, in the light of uh, what it meant locally and, and globally. But mm-hmm. um, one of the interesting things, the, the original language, um, this name, the uh, – Say it one more time for me, the Nicolaitans. Yeah, the Nicolaitans. All right. So their name meant like a victor or a conqueror or somebody who has overcome. Uh, but the thing is, is they they haven't overcome anything. In fact, they have been overcome by Satan. Um, they, they, you know, it, it's like the toleration of the spirit of, of Jezebel. They have allowed things to come in that have made them unclean. Now we do have to, I think, stop there and make sure that we understand that um, practices do not make us unclean, mm-hmm. but they often reveal our uncleanness. And, yeah. and so what I mean by that is um, if we're saved by the grace of God, we're saved by Jesus's finished work on the cross and not by our works. Um, and so what I did did not save me. And so what I, I do cannot take me from that salvation. However, what I do have to realize is that if I find myself falling all the time everywhere, then then I, ha- I have to, to, to look in the mirror and ask myself, was I ever saved to begin with? And, and so the, the people that are committing these sins, the ones that are are sacrificing 
uh, eating foods that are sacrificed to idols and, and engaging in what is probably spiritual um, impurity, spiritual immorality, as well as sexual immorality is, um, it, it is revealing who they truly are. And it means that, that they never were saved in the, the beginning. And so God is commending the church at Ephesus. And I think he would uh, commend us today if, if we would stand up for the same thing. And and just to, to throw in some present day realities with this, we see, and, and I don't like to pick on anybody, but uh, we often see this in um, the the newer liberal uh, church um, that that is is rising up. We we did a a, a TikTok uh, a few weeks ago from a, a pastor, uh, who, a man who calls himself a pastor and uh, very uh, liberal, um, and. But, but these people are committing sexual immorality, but not just sexual immorality. Um, I even saw the other day, I don't know if you saw this, Brother brother Chris, but um, there was a church um, that had Beyonce come and do a concert in the middle of church. And they were talking about, um, about worshiping um, Beyonce in the middle of a church service. Yeah, I um, saw that. And, and it's just how far we have fallen as the church of Jesus Christ when we will um, we will not only commit wicked acts, but we will commit uh, spiritual uh, idolatry yeah. in, in such fashions and, and just openly. Yeah. Um, it, it is a, a very dangerous thing. Yeah. Well, too, and while we don't know exactly what the Nicolaitans did. Uh, we do have a lot of, a lot of writings from people that claim to be a part of the first century church that wrote about, uh, the Nicolaitans. And so as I present this, don't take this as gospel truth because, uh, there's a reason that these aren't necessarily all spread around because they could be corroborated. Uh, like, you know, we have the 66 books of the Bible, uh, those have been confirmed, though people know that those are uh, true accounts that have have happened, and that's why they, they make up those 66 books of the Bible. And then there are other accounts that verify some of those things, but don't necessarily uh, make it into that category of gospel truth. And, and so uh, some of the first century church writings that we find talk about the works of the, the Nicolaitans. Uh, and many people, and again, this is not gospel truth, so don't take it as gospel truth, but many people believe that the leader of that would be the uh, fellow known as Nicholas, one of the first seven deacons that was ordained in the book of Acts. And uh, while we're not exactly sure if that's completely true, we do see a lot of, of writings concerning Nicholas on how he uh, converted from uh, to Judaism as a Gentile and then from Judaism to Christianity, and he they they wrote down things that he would say uh, that were just strange. He would flip flop back and forth. He would say things like, "Well, if if you have a a wife, you you don't need to do." husband and wife things with that person because it makes you more holy to abstain. And then uh, it was written that he had a very beautiful wife. And then all of a sudden, not too long later, he's like, actually, let's back up on that. Uh, it makes you even more holy if you join with your wife, if you join with your spouse. And so those were some of the things that people wrote concerning Nicholas, whether they were true or not, we're not sure, but there were enough writings to, to realize this is that, uh, this guy, Nicholas flip-flopped a lot on what he would say. Right. And, and so, uh, one thing we do know about the Nicolaitans is that they really did what, what brother Rob was talking about. They, they were idolaters. They, uh, introduced a hierarchy, uh, that right. focused on man rather than God. And so you would have people worshiping 
man above God and all, almost in a sense of, of, you know, say it was really Nicholas, this deacon that was the leader of the Nicolaitans. Uh, they would have looked at Nicholas as God in the flesh. And who is God in the flesh? That's Jesus. So to, to recognize that anyone as superior as Christ, as superior as God, uh, that that's idolatry. And uh, so it, it needs to be uh, cut out of the church. And so let's Let's kind of break this down first and foremost. When, it, when he writes this, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. How, how can we apply this first to an individual? And I think the, the first thing we need to look at as an individual is that we have to be weary of the things people are teaching around us. Yeah, and absolutely. we need to be educated on the gospel. We need to, yeah. to be ready in season and out yeah. of season. And as John would tell you, he, he would say, you've got to test every spirit. Don't just let someone say, I've come of God. And so whatever I say is the word of God. What, what we do is we match up what they're saying to God's holy word. And then if it doesn't match up to God's holy word, then what they're saying is ludicrous. It's it's completely wrong. And so on an individual level, what we need to do is also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, we don't know all of the deeds. We have a very, very uh, dim picture of who the Nicolaitans were. Uh, but I would say that uh, people teaching us things in a godly manner that's actually leading us away from God, uh, idolatry. Those are things we need to watch out for. And, and so you were talking about that, Brother Rob, with that church. Uh, that, that was very interesting that they, they brought Beyonce out and, and said, let's, let's worship Beyonce. This is the church of Beyonce today. And what did they just do there? They worshiped mankind. They worshiped right. a woman right there on stage. And so they, they put Beyonce in this spot where Christ needed to be, where he deserved and is the only one worthy to be in that spot. They put Beyonce there. And so uh, I would say on the, the individual level, what we need to do is be weary of the false doctrines that are present all around in our society. And, and here's what we need to do with it. We need to hate those deeds. Now, I'm not saying go hate people. I'm not saying go beat people up. But when, when you hate something, you have nothing to do with it. And, and so a lot of times we see some of these practices popping up in our lives, not necessarily that we're practicing those things, but sometimes even that, but we, we have friends that we hang out with. We have people that we go to church with that are introducing these false doctrines and, and these false beliefs uh, into our life and into our churches. And we say, well, we've got to love them. And that's true. We, we've got to love everybody. And, but the, the biggest thing in understanding loving others the way that God loved us. God never ignored our sin. He never ignored it. And, and Jesus, he was very blunt. That's why he made people mad a lot because he would, he would call out sin. He would say, repent and believe. And then people would get mad about it. He wanted them to be a part of his kingdom, but because his kingdom didn't match up with what they wanted, uh, they refused to listen to him. And so we've got to do a better job as individuals stepping up to the plate and calling out these false doctrines, these works of the Nicolaitans, and making sure that they don't have a foothold in our lives, that they don't have a foothold in our local bodies, and for sure they, that they don't have a foothold in the global church. But what do you think about that on the individual level, Brother Rob? Yeah, I think what you said uh, sums it up really well. I, I, so instead of adding on, I'll just give an example. 
I had a young man um, come uh, and get some advice from me about a month, month and a half ago. And he had been uh, attending a church and, um, and really liking it and, and really growing with God. And, um, and then he, he was also in a relationship with a, a young lady who was also going to church and growing with God. And um, so another one of the guys ended up liking his girlfriend. And so this guy talked with um, some leadership of the church and convinced them that the young man that came to me, his relationship was not holy. And so then leadership of the church went and addressed this young man um, and said basically that he had the spirit of, of Jezebel and that, um, that he needed to repent and they needed to end the, the relationship and a bunch of other stuff like that. And, but, but what was happening is that there was a, a hierarchy and what certain people wanted and thought was more important than, um, than what God had des- desired. And, and, um, and so what I had to, to remind this young man is that we are to forgive, we are to forget, we are to love, we're to serve, we're to do everything we can, we're to be all things for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when we forgive, that doesn't mean that we have to hang out with a person. Right. That doesn't mean that they have to be our best friends. Sometimes that, that means distance. And and I'm all for if, if you have the ability and, and God is leading you to witness to somebody, to befriend somebody who has done wrong to you, I'm all for that. Uh, however, there's, there's times where we have to distance ourselves from people because they keep walking down the path that we can't walk um, and uh, doing things that, that we just can't do. Uh, and so I, I would I would go on just to add to what you said. We need to make sure that um, that we're following the Holy Spirit and, and not just the will of, of man. And yeah. I think if we do that, um, we would be we would be in the walking in the right direction. Right. Now, let, let's look more at the local body now and, and how we should react to it as the local body. And, and what I'm about to read actually kind of goes with an individual as well uh, and, and involves the local body at the same time. Uh, but we have an order of operations. Jesus actually gives us an order of operations in dealing with sinful activity within our congregations uh, and Typically, it starts with one person uh, in a one-on-one conversation. And, and so what I'm about to, to read to you is what Jesus talks about dealing with a sinning brother or dealing with a, a fellow brother or sister that has sinned against you. And, and I'll open this up to the understanding that while someone might sin against you in the sense of bringing you down, blaspheming you, uh, I would also say that it's our job as Christians if we see a brother or sister sinning in general, that that's really stumbling in sin, that, that this is to also be applied to that as well. Anything that can cause you to stumble, anything that can cause others to stumble and you see it, we have an obligation to stand up and speak out about that. In fact, uh, a lady was just talking to me the other day, uh, had called in. She doesn't live in this area, but she, she was asking for some advice on a situation where there was another person, another lady that was trying to really cause her to stumble. That was part of the church group that she was in that was trying to get her to drink, that was getting into drugs, that was going around and gossiping about a lot of different people. And this is the the verse, this is the passage I shared with her, but it's in Matthew 18 starting in verse 15. And Jesus says this, he says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more 
that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Mm. And so he's saying cut ties with them in that yeah. sense, because the heathens and the tax collectors that, that as he's talking to the Jews at this time were, were people that the Jews had nothing to do with. Right. And, and so I would say this is something we've lost a lot in our local bodies and people sometimes get upset about this, but we call it church discipline. Or if you're uh, in your seventies, uh, and up, you probably called this church in someone. <laughs> and, uh, but when we see something that's not good for our bodies in general, I'm talking about our physical bodies, mm-hmm. we, we go and we attack it. We, we make sure to take care of it. Uh, if you don't, what you're saying is you don't care about your body and what happens to your body, it falls apart. Uh, right. if you don't care about it and just like, our physical bodies, we have to take care of the body of Christ as well. And so when someone is living in sin and, and fellowshipping with the body, uh, what does Jesus say? A little leaven leavens the whole lump talking about sin. A little sin will lead to more sin. Uh, we, we do have to call it out. We do have to say that is unacceptable. And it says right there that first go to the individual level. You go to that person one on one. All right, Rob. Say I, I saw that you were uh, out and you were cussing someone out mm-hmm. and getting mad at them, and I saw it. And not necessarily everybody saw it, but I saw it. I, yeah. I would have an obligation as your brother in Christ to say, "Hey, man, look, you can't go around doing that. That what you were right. saying was not edifying." For yeah. that person, it didn't glorify God at all, and we need to take a step back and yeah. ask ourselves if we're following Christ, was that a good example of Christ? And mm-hmm. then I would I would say, let's pray together, man. And if I can be there, if you're angry, if you're upset, you can talk to me about that, so that way you don't let this overcome you again. And yeah. uh, you know, and and I think you're a great brother too. You know, like I, you would call me out. You know, I'd call you out. And it would be completely out of love. Now, if you go and call someone out just because you want to see him down, like you gave the perfect example of that just now, Rob, when, when, with your, uh, scenario, you were talking about someone used, uh, the system in a wrong way. Uh, in fact, it seems like they didn't even go to a one-on-one conversation at all. Uh, but, but that's what we're supposed to do when we see sin attacking the body of Christ, our local bodies that we're serving in. It's our obligation to lovingly sit down with our brothers and sisters uh, and and have a discussion with them and and bring the word of God with you. Like pray about it before you go to them. Read the scripture before you go to them. Have it prepared before you talk with them and then say, here's what we need to do. But we need to get back with it in the local body as well. Because... If you have cancer and you don't cut it out, it metastasizes and it kills the whole body. And that's why they, that's why doctors are always ecstatic when they catch cancer before it metastasizes. Right. Hey, I can cut that out. Hey, Mm -hmm. I I can say that you're probably not going to have to deal with this uh, for a long time and we can set you up on a schedule to make sure that we're checking your body so that way if it ever pops back up, we know that it could be likely in your life, we can get rid of it before it becomes a danger. And so we need to practice that in our local bodies as well. Going to people as an individual, but also remembering as we go to them, if they continue in it, eventually we have to bring that before the church and say, enough is enough, that, that we can't do this anymore, and tell them, look, if you're here to cause division, if you're here to to uh, you know bring our brothers and sisters down, you're not really a part of the body, and you need to get out until you're ready yeah. to be a part of that body, until you're ready to come and worship the yeah. living God rather than come and gossip and slander and cause people to stumble. 
And mm-hmm. people say that's mean, uh, but I I think I don't think it's that mean. Do you think that's mean? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I, I think that um, in order to protect the most vulnerable among us, we have to make sure um, that we're taking the the sheep the 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 wolf out of the sheepfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that sounds once again that's that sounds harsh. Uh, but which would you rather be accused of? Um, would you rather be accused of by man um, that you're a, a harsh person or by God that you caused one of his little ones to stumble? Um, which the penalty is um, it, it would be better for you that a millstone was tied around your neck and you were tossed into the depths of the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I would rather address the issue with the person with the um, with the possibility of of knowing that I could lose that friendship um, mm-hmm. that I could lose that um, that member and everything that that entails uh, because my first goal is to see them right with God um, and of course, if they're in Christ, then they're right with God. They're justified completely. Uh, however, that doesn't mean we give up on sanctification. Um, and so we yeah. want to see that brother sanctified um, just as we all need sanctification. And there's going to be times where, where I need a talking to. Um, and so the, the best, uh, the best spirit we could have is humility. Um, and, and we get that example in Christ who, although, uh, was in the form of God, didn't uh, didn't consider it something to, to cling to. Um, and so even though other people are going to um, to talk about about how we're harsh and we're hypocrites and all that kind of stuff, the thing is is we're not saying that we're not going to allow people to sin. It's that we're going to hold people accountable when they do sin so that that sin doesn't ruin their lives and I hate to say it this way, but more importantly, that they don't become a stumbling block to others within right. the in the fold. Yeah. And, and now let's look at this on a global aspect. And, and this one's a little more difficult. But how do we live uh, in, in the global church and, and take this uh, brave uh, understanding that we need to hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans? And I think a good way of that is there are some people you will never get to meet or talk to. Some people that have great and mighty platforms in this world. And when I say great with, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's more of an uh, infamous, infamous platform. And they say things and, and claim the promises and the power of God while while speaking things that are completely unscriptural and how do we how do we address that globally as a church and i think that goes to both the individual and the local body to stand strong against people that speak the name of god uh and use it for their benefit rather than for god's glory and so uh, you know, we're, we're talking about that one pastor on TikTok that he you know he's called the pastor of of TikTok, and he is pastoring a church. You know, they're they're called a church, even that he is openly living a lifestyle of sexual immorality against the word of God, and we have to say, you know what. First and foremost, that guy's not a pastor. He's speaking about things that are not true. For example, he preached on Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb, out of out of death, back into life. And he said that that was Jesus telling Lazarus to come out as in the term that we use it today, come out of the closet, come out and tell everyone that you are a homosexual. And he largely claims that that Lazarus was the man that Jesus loved, not in a 
unconditional way as is presented in scripture, but in a romantic and sexual way and, and presents Jesus as a homosexual man having a relationship uh, with Lazarus. And that's just crazy uh, because there's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that can even point to that. And they didn't have terms back then that we use today, like come out, come right. out. Jesus right. said, come out of the tomb, come out of death, come into right. life. That's right. what he was doing. He was raising up someone that he loved unconditionally, the same way that he loves us unconditionally. And so for guys like that, I boldly say that is a false prophet. That is someone that you can't call a pastor and a church that accepts him can't really even be considered a church. And so globally, I would say they're not a part of the body. And it sounds mean, you know, people like to say it sounds mean to say things like that, but it's not. When you don't adhere to scripture, but say that you are a church that is built upon scripture, how how can that church stand? And they don't because they don't worship God. They worship their their own evil desires, their own selfish ambitions, and they turn people from the truth and the grace of God. And it's abominable, and we should be vocal about it. And, and so if someone comes up to me and says, I listen to the pastor of TikTok, I'm going to ask him why. Mm -hmm. Why do you yep. do that? Well, I like him. And here's here's what he says. And I'm like, well, is all of the other things he's saying that he largely claims are true? And and I wouldn't be mad if he was saying a couple things that I didn't agree with, but right. didn't affect salvation. Mm -hmm. But he is he is preaching something that's not even the gospel of Jesus proclaiming that it is. And, and so we've got to we've got to stand firm on that. What do you think about that, Brother Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, on Sunday nights at my church, we're going through the book of Timothy, and we just started a couple weeks ago, and this um, this last week, um, we just got to the point where um, where we got to cover 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, and, and I won't get in, into it for the purposes of tonight. But the interesting thing is, is that Paul did exactly that. There were a couple of guys that were uh, preaching a false gospel. Um, and Paul even says that um, they, they were shipwrecked in the faith and that he delivered them to Satan himself uh, right. because they, they taught blasphemy and he calls them out by name. And so we can't be afraid to do that. And, and it can be, it can be a, a, tr a, a struggle sometimes for us to, to have the confidence to do that uh, because we know, you know, there's nobody that knows me better than me and there's nobody that knows you better than you. And you, we see the sins and shortcomings of, of our own lives. But the thing that we have to understand is that there's a difference in the things that we do and the, and the, the things that we believe. Um, we are, are most hypocritical when when we do not stand up for what we believe in. And, right. and so we're going to be hypocrites about something in life that's just called humanity. Um, but what we believe is the most important thing about who we are, because it's it's faith um, that Abraham had that was and it was credited to him righteousness. It's by faith, uh, by grace that we're saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone mm -hmm. should boast. Uh, and so our belief is is extremely important. And so even if, um, even if you struggle like we all do, don't be afraid uh, to be able to stand up for, for what you believe in, for what scripture says. Uh, Paul did it. We, we have we, we have biblical evidence that this is the right thing to do. Uh, we're to call out the wolves in cheap clothing. And um, now we're also to be gracious and loving and kind. And uh, we're to, if, if possible, and I know that you've done this, Brother Christian, we've talked about it. You've reached out to, um, to, to Brandon, the, the 
so-called pastor of TikTok, and you've tried to to have a conversation with him, mm-hmm. and he's just ignored your attempts of communication. Uh, but we should we should not just call people out. We we should go to them lovingly and, and compassionately and try to to speak with them and reason with them. Um, however, um, there comes a time where the love and the grace and the mercy um, are coming to an end when, when they will not accept sound doctrine or rebuke right. and we have to call out. And so I, I, I completely agree with you, brother. There, there are um, one of the, the best things we can do is lead people to Jesus by ensuring that other people are not leading them to uh, away from Jesus. Right. Um, and, and so I completely agree. Well, Paul, as you said, Paul uh, even did that. In, in fact, he it says in Scripture he withstood Simon Peter to his face, yeah, because Simon Peter was playing the hypocrite. Now, what's interesting about that is we know Simon Peter was a Christian; that he yeah. was a follower of Christ, absolutely. And we know that that conversation probably was heated. Because yeah. I, I think I relate more to Simon Peter <laughs> than anyone else in the Bible. And, and Rob knows this because he's worked with me on several different projects uh, and, and uh, his, you know, seeing how I act. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn and I'm pretty <laughs> hard headed. And if it doesn't go my way, uh, then, then it's hard for me to, you know, stay calm. I've, I think I've done better at it lately, but yes, yes. <laughs> overall, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that I have brothers like Rob and, and Brandon that can say, Hey, hold up, hold up. But, uh, he said that Simon Peter was playing the hypocrite and withstood him to his face. Didn't go around and gossip about him, but withstood him to his face. And I know that that worked out because we don't see a portion of scripture that says that uh, Paul went to Simon Peter with someone else and then eventually brought him before the church and told him to get out. He didn't deliver Simon Peter to Satan like he did those other guys in a sense of like, hey, Satan, here are your children. Stop sending them over here to my house, you know, And, and so. So we see that it is important to do that because it wasn't it wasn't something that was affecting the salvation of Simon Peter. Simon Peter was saved. He was secured. He was sealed by the Holy Spirit. But what he was doing, he was affecting the salvation of many Jews and Gentiles as he would play favorites with the Jews uh, when they were around. And then when the Jews weren't around, would hang out with the Gentiles after that. But he would completely neglect uh, ministering and, and leading Gentiles whenever there were uh, others around. And it led other leaders onto that path. Uh, in fact, it said that Barnabas was was one of those that was kind of led astray uh, by Simon Peter in that time. And so it was very important for Paul to bring that up. And that's why it's important. It's because these conversations don't always lead to someone getting booted to the side. Right. In fact, I I haven't had a conversation with someone to a point where we had to bring it before the church. It either works out or that person scurries out the doors and never comes back. And then you see where their heart really was, that they couldn't take uh, counsel as Proverbs would say, it's good to take good godly counsel sometimes and realize our misgivings. So I think it's important that we we conclude this in, in this sense, that as individuals, we need to stand against sin. As the local body, we need to stand against sin. As the global church, we need to stand against sin. But before we dismiss, Brother Rob, do you have any other words you want to share? No, I just, um, my, my hope and my prayer for you is, um, is that the Holy Spirit would, uh, would not condemn you because that's not what he does, but convict you of your sin so that you can walk in the newness of life that's found in Jesus Christ and that, that you would help others walk in that newness of life as well. And I, I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying to the church in, yeah. in Ephesus. 
Well, I want to thank every one of you for tuning in to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please send us a message letting us know that on the Faith 168 podcast Facebook page. If you have something you want to share with us about this discussion, hey, you can even disagree with us. We'd love to sit there and talk to you uh, about anything that is on your heart. Just send us a message on the Faith 168 podcast Facebook page. And as we continue on next week, we will be reviewing in our new series, another TikTok. Uh, so if, if you see a TikTok of someone that isn't, uh, that is saying something that doesn't necessarily match up biblically, or you want our opinion on something that doesn't seem right to you, uh, feel free to, to send us a link to that TikTok also on the Faith 168 Facebook page so that we can review that. And maybe we'll do an episode on it and help you clarify whatever is going on. But again, we thank you all so much for joining us at the Faith 168 Podcast. Brother Rob, always a joy recording an episode with you. If you will, go ahead and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Absolutely. Father, we thank you so much for um, the opportunity to to talk about your word. God, I pray for each and every one that's listening. Father, I, I pray that you would... Um, through your Holy Spirit, that you would speak uh, to their hearts, God, that you would reveal sin so that uh, the, that they and, and Brother Chris and I as well, that we would be able to um, to avoid temptation, that we would be able to, uh, to uh, withstand uh, Satan, that we would be able to, uh, to stand and, and walk in the newness of life and lockstep with your spirit. God, that we would be able to point other people to you. God, we pray that you would give us the, uh, the wisdom and the knowledge to, to love what you love and to hate what you hate. God, we pray that, that you would give us the strength and the courage to stand with you, to stand for you and to, to reach other people for you. 168 hours of every week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.